Well, here we are again, and we're on the second day of our second Sunday of our new series called Cross Church Goes Fishing. And I want to just say, you know, when it comes to fishing, uh, every fisherman has a story. Would you agree with that? Yeah, so, so we, I think we need to put up that sign, caution, fish stories ahead. And, and I actually told you one last week. Do you remember that? Uh, I love to tell my fish stories, but not really terribly interested in hearing anybody else's. <laughs> in fact, uh, how many times have you heard someone say, I caught a fish this big, this big? You caught a fish? Well, look at um, last week I talked about the 20, 21 fish that I caught. And uh, hey, you know what? Jesus also has a fish story. Uh, in fact, we've got a few, and we're going to be talking about that through the course of the summertime. Now, when I was a kid, uh, sometime, we had, there's four in our family. We have an older brother and older sister, uh, then there's me, and then my youngest brother, Joff. And uh, sometimes my eldest brother would be in charge, and, and we'd have to do whatever he said because he was the eldest. Sometimes my sister was in charge. I had to do whatever she said because well, she's a woman. And no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Uh, but sometimes, sometimes, a rare occasion, I would be the one in charge uh, of my younger brother, and I would say, I would tell Joff what to do, or at least try to tell him what to do, and uh, I would say, you have to do what I say, and he would say, why should I? And I would say, because I said so. Now, what I was saying is, I was telling my brother that, that I have authority, I have authority over you, and it's an authority that's been given to me by mom and dad. So when I tell you what to do, it's not just me telling you what to do. It's actually mom and dad telling you what to do. So it's by my authority. So this morning, I want to tell you what to do. I want to tell everybody here today that you need to go and, and share your faith with people. You've got to go evangelize. You've got to go and tell people about Jesus. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, well, why should I? Well, I'm going to tell you what I told my brother. Because I said so. Well, it's not just me who said so. It's because Jesus said so. Jesus actually gave that command. And we pointed that out last week, didn't we? We said at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus told those new disciples of his that they needed to go and make disciples. And then we get to the end of Jesus' ministry. Lo and behold, Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying to his disciples, go and make disciples. Now, at the beginning of the ministry, he called them fish. He says, you're going to be fishers of men, fishers of people. But at the end of, my, of his ministry, he's saying, you're going to go and make disciples. So this really is, if you want to know, this is the theme verse throughout the summer months. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And look, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you put your faith in Christ, then this, is, this verse is for you. If you put your faith in Christ and you say today, Pastor Alan, if you ask me to stand up right now to say that I'm a Christian, I would stand up and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ. And then what I would say to you is that from now on, you'll be fishing for people. So this is, this is something for all of us, for everybody who calls himself or herself a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, here's the problem. For so many of us, the idea of evangelism, of evangelizing, is, is not terribly attractive. In fact, for some of us, we don't like the idea. And some of us have very negative ideas. There's been you know, very negative stereotypes 
about evangelizing and evangelism. We have seen crazy TV evangelists, uh, and there's still many on TV even today. And if you go to the southern states, man, you, there's, there's more TV evangelists down there than you could shake a stick at. It's unbelievable. Everybody, everybody's got a little bit of money goes on TV to, to be an evangelist. And so, you, you, you know, the average person looks at that and they think, well, what a bunch of nut jobs. Who wants to be part of that? And maybe you feel like that. In fact, you're kind of afraid now to share your faith with people in case people put you in, lump you in with those crazy TV evangelists. Or maybe you had a, a negative experience, people coming door to door to your house and trying to tell, tell you about Jesus, and you just think, oh my goodness, these people are crazy. Hey, you know, whatever, whatever ner- negative stereotype that you have in your mind concerning evangelism, I want you to put that aside right now. And I want you to hear the voice of Jesus. I want you to recognize what Jesus Christ is calling us to. And Jesus says that as, as his followers, we need to be fishing for people. Hey, I've experienced the same things that you've experienced. I've shared my faith with people, and I've heard people talk about you know, the negative things that they've experienced. In fact... <laughs> A lot of people have negative ideas about Christianity because, yes, the TV evangelists, but also because of a lot of people who call themselves Christians but say and do things that are really, really stupid, really don't, don't glorify God at all. So this morning and for the rest of the summer, what we want to talk about is why should we evangelize? What should be motivating us? And why, why must we be motivated to fish for people? And of course, the obvious reason is because Jesus said so. But let's, let's crack that open. Let's talk about that a little bit more, shall we? So last week, we shared a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 5. And you remember the story. The disciples, or not, they weren't disciples yet. They were just, just fishermen. There's James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And there was Peter and there were Andrew. They were out fishing all night long. And, you know, it was just a real bad fishing trip. How many of you have been on a bad fishing trip? pretty miserable, isn't it? You spent, you spent 50 bucks on gas for your, for your motorboat and uh, all kinds of money on tackle, and you got a new fishing rod, new fishing line, you got, you got the best bait, cost you a lot of money, and you spent the whole day and didn't catch a thing. And you're pretty miserable. You're pretty uptight. Well, that's these guys. And this is their livelihood. They're, this is not just a hobby. This is how they make money. This is, what they, this is how they put food in their stomachs. And uh, it's been a long night. And along comes Jesus and his crowd. Now, everybody at this point, they, they kind of knew who Jesus was, and his teaching was pretty amazing. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, it says that whenever Jesus taught, whenever he preached, people would listen to him, and they'd say, wow, this guy is amazing. He preaches not like the Pharisees and not like the teachers of the law, and, and he, he preaches with authority, not like them. This guy is amazing. And so Jesus has got quite a following. They're following him everywhere. Now, understand something. Jesus, uh, at this point in Luke chapter 4, has not yet appointed his disciples, but he's got an amazing ministry already. People have been healed. Uh, People have demons cast out. Uh, Jesus is already teaching them about the coming kingdom. This This Jesus is absolutely amazing. But these disciples are in no mood for that. 
Now, if you're a mother or a father and you've had a hard day and you're worn out, you've come home and the kids have, you're trying to get supper ready and the kids are in the kitchen, but not just the kids, not just all the kids, they got their friends are in there and he's like, get out of here, like, go somewhere else, go outside, go play somewhere else. I got things to do. Well, that's the disciples. Jesus, go somewhere else, take your friends outside, go take them somewhere else, we got stuff to do. But Jesus doesn't. In fact, what Jesus does is he sees, oh, there's two empty boats, I'll, I'll use one of them as, as a, as a platform to preach. And so Jesus gets into a boat, starts preaching, and the disciples are like, oh, they, uh, I'm calling them the disciples. They're not disciples just yet. But these fishermen are standing there waiting for Jesus to be done so that they can pack up their nets and they can pull their boats up and they can go home and have a sleep. Jesus sees that they haven't caught anything. And uh, I want you to listen to this. These disciples are waiting for Jesus to quit speaking so they can pack it in. But it says that when he had finished speaking, Acts chapter, or Luke chapter 5, verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. And Simon's saying, oh, it's not enough that we have to wait for him to be done his preaching, but now he's telling us how to do our job. He's a rabbi. What does he know about fishing? So finally, I mean, they respect him, and they know he's a good, great teacher, and, you know, it's in, it's in front of their peers, it's in front of the crowd. So uh, Simon, later called Peter, says, Master, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And watch this, verse 6. And this time, their nets were so full of fish that the nets began to tear. Remember, they just—they been out all night, caught, didn't catch a thing. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now, folks, that is a fish story. That's a fish story. Now, these fishermen who have been fishing their whole life They are absolutely shocked at this. In fact, they know that something very supernatural has happened. In verse 8, it says, When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, I want you to see something which is really critical to the formation of your faith and mine. The first thing that I want you to see, look at this. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Watch this. Jesus reveals himself to Peter. The next thing that happens is that Peter, recognizing who Jesus is, kneels down before Jesus and worships him. He says, Jesus, you've got to get away from me. I'm too sinful to even be around you. What's Peter doing? He's recognizing the worth of Jesus. 
By the way, the word worship comes from that word worth. Peter is ascribing to Jesus great worth. This is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary teacher. This is something supernatural. This is somebody divine. And so Peter worships Jesus. And then here's what Jesus says in response. Look at this. In response to Peter's worship, he says, and we just read this, from now on you'll be fishing for people. Jesus gives Peter a command. Now watch this. This It's really important. Jesus reveals himself. Peter responds in worship, recognizing who Jesus is and his greatness. And then Jesus gives a command. And then watch this. Here's the obedience. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now, I want you to see something, folks. This is the progression of faith. We ask the question, why should we go fishing? Why should we go evangelizing? Why should we be telling people about Jesus? Because this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. First of all, Jesus reveals himself to you. and You recognize what a great and awesome God he is, and you worship God. You worship the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God. And then Jesus gives the command, and you say, yes, Lord, I will follow you. Now, can I just say something right now? I'm going to stop right now. Because really, this is the critical moment in the development of your faith. If you don't say yes to God, if you don't say yes to Jesus and do what Jesus says, then I have to tell you, you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You are not a Christian. You say, well, Pastor Allen, I said a prayer. Hey, folks, saying a prayer, it's, that's, only, that's only the beginning. But the reality is, or the evidence that you are a Christian is that you obey Jesus. And that's exactly what Peter and Andrew and James and John did. They left everything. Immediately, they responded to Jesus. Jesus gives a command. They respond to him and follow him. Now, can I just say something to you? Right, let's, let's look at this progression of faith again. The Lord Jesus reveals himself. Now, I, I want to encourage you, because some of you are sitting here today, and you've got friends and family that you've been witnessing to, and you maybe feel like giving up, and you've been witnessing to them for years, you've been praying for, for decades, and nothing's happening. In fact, you've been praying for your kids, and you think, I don't know if they're ever going to get it. I don't know if they're ever going to follow Jesus. I don't know if they'll ever love Jesus the way I love Jesus. And you feel like giving up. Can I just remind you of something? Evangelism really is a partnership between you and the Holy Spirit. When we talk about evangelizing, understand that your job, my job, is to share our faith. But here's the thing. Your job is not to save people. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you know this. You've heard this before. But I want you to listen carefully to what I'm saying. Because for some of you who are tempted to give up, you need to understand that God has begun a work in the lives of your loved ones. And and he's not done with your loved ones. He's not done with your family members. He's not done with your husband. He's not done with your kids. not done with your mom or your sister or your brother. Look at Peter. As an example, in Luke chapter 4, his mother-in-law is so sick, she has a fever. And the, the people in the community are crying out to Jesus, Jesus, you've got to come. You've got to heal this woman. And Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, but it had, seems to have no effect on Peter. 
In fact, there's nothing there that says that Simon Peter, wow, this is amazing. I must give my life to this, this man, this teacher. Nothing. And so the next chapter, once again, Jesus reveals himself to Peter. But this time, this time, it takes hold. This time, Peter's eyes are open. This time, Peter gets it. Now, you need to understand something. Here's what the Bible says about people who don't follow Jesus, that people that don't know Christ, people who don't love Christ. Here's what you need to know. The Apostle Paul tells us that that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. People who are not following Jesus, they are blinded. And they have these preconceived ideas, these preconceived notions about who Jesus is and what the church is all about and what Christ is all about. They don't love Jesus. And they've got all kinds of excuses, those wacky Christians, those wacky TV evangelists. And they, they've got all kinds of accusations that they're ready to throw. Now listen to me. Jesus doesn't want you to get into a fight with anybody. In fact, Jesus doesn't. Jesus, by his spirit, is revealing himself to all the people in your life that don't know Jesus. But Jesus invites you and me to partner with him in bringing truth and bringing light to people who live in darkness. It's an amazing partnership between God's people and the Holy Spirit. Some of you felt like giving up. um, My kids will never come to Jesus. Look, don't give up. God's still working on them. And God needs you to be prepared, to be ready for the moment when they need to be drawn in by his spirit. Jesus reveals himself to Peter. And finally, Peter, the lights go on. The veil comes off, as it were. Say, ah, now I get it. This guy is God. This guy is divine. I got to worship him. Now, can I just remind everybody of something today? Because a lot of people think that worship is just singing songs. I'm going to tell you something. Singing songs is, a, is, is like 10% of, of what worship is. 90% of what worship is, is obedience. It's obeying the commands of Christ. And what does Jesus command us to do? Well, can I just make everybody, help everybody understand the commands of Christ? Because they're really quite simple. The first command is what we would call a command for the interior for our hearts, and that's to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second commandment is what we would call the, the command for the exterior, and that's to love your neighbor as you love yourself. How do we love people? I'll tell you, by, t- by sharing Jesus with them, by introducing them to Christ. Jesus makes it very clear at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry that he wants to advance his kingdom. And the only way that his kingdom is going to advance is if you and I will take seriously the call to go and share our faith with others. Jesus reminds us that he is God and that he is worthy of our worship and obedience. Remember what I said? I said at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus is worshiped by these men, and then Jesus gives a command. Well, the, here's the thing. At the end of his ministry, it's the same thing. We come to Matthew 28, 17, 19. At the end of his ministry, the same thing happens. And we often talk about the Great Commission where Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But what we, we often fail to look at is the verse before the Great Commission where it says, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. 
Look, Jesus could give you all kinds of commands and all kinds of instructions. But listen, if, you are, if you've not bought in to the fact that he is your Lord and your Savior and you are called to obey him, then it's just commands. But you are a disciple. One who says, I worship Jesus by obeying Jesus. And if Jesus says to go make disciples, then I'm going to commit my life to this. Okay, I just want you to, to stop for a moment and consider this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, the main thing in your life is winning people to Christ or being involved in that process of winning people to Christ. Now, maybe nobody's ever told you that before. In fact, in a lot of churches, it, it, they've got so many layers and layers and layers of religion and religiosity that we've forgotten the main thing. The main thing is to love God and to love others by sharing Jesus Christ with a broken and hurting world. Here at Cross Church, we're stripping back all the layers and we're laying bare what the main thing is. Jesus wants to advance his kingdom on this earth. Why does he want to do that? I'll tell you why. Because God loves this world so much and he knows that the only thing that's going to bring joy and happiness to the inhabitants of this globe is that they come to know who Jesus Christ is. Now, you may sit here today and say, Pastor Allen, I don't believe that. That's fine. Oh, I'm not condemning your judging for that. But I'm going to tell you, after, after all these years of following Jesus and watching what's going on around me, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is my conviction. And there's many here today would say, Pastor Allen, I agree with you. I, I know what it's like to live without Jesus, and I know what it's like to live with Jesus. And now that I've got Jesus in my life, I ain't turning back. There's no turning back for me. Would someone say amen to that? Amen. There's no turning back. Jesus has transformed my life. Ever since I surrendered my life to him and I obey him, it's changed my life. But here's the thing, people. If you've got to move to the next level, and many of us haven't done that yet. We haven't begun to share our faith. Now, some of, you, some of you have done amazing things. Some of you like to bring people to church all the time. Hey, you know what would be really thrilling? Is if this summer everybody caught one fish. And you know what I'm talking. I'm not talking about going to Lockport, catching one of those dirty little fish out of the river. I'm talking about leading one person to Jesus. In fact, is it too bold? Is it too crazy to say, ask everybody to start praying that God would help you bring one person to Jesus? You say, Pastor Ellen, it scares the life out of me. I don't know how to do that. Well, I'm going to show you how in just a moment. I'm going to show you how in just a moment. But before I do that, I'm going to point something out to you. After Jesus, after these disciples worship Jesus, and after Jesus gives them a command, what comes next? Obedience. Remember we said that? Worship. First of all, Jesus reveals himself, then they worship him, and then Jesus gives a command, and then they obey. Reveal, worship, obey. Watch this. The disciples, there's 120 of them actually, 120 people that love Jesus. Oh, yeah, there's a 12 disciples, minus one, Judas. They replaced him. But in all, there's about 120 people that love Jesus. And Jesus says, I want you to wait for the coming Holy Spirit. 
This is so cool. Watch this. They wait and wait and wait. And exactly 50 days after Jesus rises from the dead, the Holy Spirit falls powerfully and mightily. That's Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2. Peter, Simon, also called Simon, he's the one whose mother-in-law was healed. He was the one that finally knelt before Jesus and said, Jesus, you've got to get away from me. After that great miracle, the great catch of fish, Jesus, get away, I'm too sinful. It's this Peter, it's this Simon Peter that stands up and begins to be a witness for Jesus Christ. It's this Peter who stands up and says, well, this is it, I got to get to work. Jesus has revealed himself to me and I have worshipped him. He's given me a command. I'm going to obey him. So he stands up. He begins to preach. Now remember, Jesus has just been crucified. He's just been nailed to the cross because of his work. The most dangerous thing for Peter to do is to stand up in Jerusalem and start to preach about Jesus. Peter, are you out of your mind? Do you realize, Peter, what they're going to do to you? You'll be the next one crucified. You'll be the next one put to death. But you see, Peter's not... He doesn't care about the rules of man. He only cares about the commands of Jesus. He stands up and he begins to preach. Remember, there's 120 people that already love Jesus, and Peter stands up and begins to preach. And after he's done preaching, and he's, I mean, he really let him have it. He talked about hellfire and brimstone. Peter gave everything. There was, there was, no, there was no ammunition left. He, blew, he just, everything gone. By the time you get to the end of Acts chapter 2, guess what? 3,000 people became Christians. Blows your mind. Wow. Now, watch this. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus gives Peter a a boatload of fish. Now, watch this. At the beginning of Peter's ministry, Peter gives Jesus a boatload of people. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you see that? That picture of a boatload of fish that Peter had was almost prophetic about what, about how God was going to use, how Jesus was going to use Peter. And Peter presents to Jesus 3,000 people who have given their hearts to Christ. These, these early believers, they believed in evangelism. By the time you get to Acts chapter 4, verse 4, it says now there's, the numbers have almost doubled. Now there's almost there's 5,000 believers. Wow, this is unbelievable. These Christians are really serious about obeying Jesus. When Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples, they say, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to give our lives to that. See, Pastor Allen, but I, I work for a living. How can I do this? Hey, you work for a living just so that you can put bread on the table and have a roof over your head. But your main work is sharing your faith with others. And if you're not a Christian today, well, then just disregard this. Just sit and listen to what I got to say. But those of you who say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, then it's your job to get out there and share your faith with other people. By the time you get to Acts chapter 20, they can't even give you a number now. The numbers of people who have come to Christ, we're talking thousands. Now, scholars estimate that there are some 20,000 people who lived in Jerusalem. There's so many thousands of believers now, nobody can count them all. There's so many. 
We just know there's thousands. And then you fast forward 300 years, 300 AD, and folks, now we've got 6 million believers in the Roman Empire. And by the time you get to 350 AD, we've got, this will blow your mind, this is what the scholars believe, some 34 million followers of Jesus Christ. Christianity by 350 AD is now the major religion in the world. Because Jesus' disciples worshipped him. They heard his command to go make disciples, and they obeyed him. And now Christianity is the number one religion in the world. All because people took seriously Jesus' command to go and make disciples. You see, Pastor Allen, this is so exciting. I would love to see this. But Pastor Allen, quite frankly... I'm not a Peter. Uh, I'm not even an Andrew. I, I, I just can't see myself doing this. But Pastor Allen, if you could show me how to do it, then I'd give it a try. Well, I'm glad that you're willing to give it a try. You know what? I'm going to share another verse with you that actually is it's kind of the mirror of this verse. We find it in Acts chapter 1 before Jesus goes to the Father. Look at Jesus says here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look at Jesus is telling you how. Remember you asked me? You said, Pastor John, how do I do this? Well, now I'm telling you. Jesus is giving the answer. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look, at there's, there's three things that you need to see here, three ways uh, in, in answer to the question, how? How do, I, how do I make disciples? Remember, we're fishing with Jesus. Jesus is teaching us how to fish. And I'm going to start with the third point. Jesus says, you're going to be telling people about me everywhere. Can I just tell you that when Jesus says everywhere, what he means is everyone and everywhere. Your friends, your family, the people you work with, on the bus, on a plane, on the road, in a restaurant. Did I ever tell you, some of you know this story, I've shared it with you before. When I was in Bible school, I was getting ready to write an exam. I went to McDonald's early in the morning, and I was thinking, well, you know, I'm going to sit down here, and I'm going to study for my exam, uh, just uh, just refresh myself. And uh, I'm at McDonald's at 7 o'clock in the morning, and those were the days, I don't know if they still have this, but those were the days when people walk around with a coffee pot and fill your coffee cup and whatever. But I walked in, and one of these ladies that was serving coffee uh, she greeted me. I said, well, good morning to you. How are you today? She said, I'm fine, but why are you, why are you so happy at 7 o'clock in the morning? This is ridiculous. So I thought to myself, hmm, I'm a Bible college student. I'm training for the ministry. I'm training to tell people about Jesus. So I said to her, let me get my breakfast and come and I'll tell you all about it. So she says, no. Oh, oof. She says, you sit down and I'll get your breakfast. So I gave her some money. She got my breakfast. I told her what I was here to do some studying. But she says, okay, tell me why at 7 o'clock in the morning, why you're smiling. I said, well, it's very simple. I'm smiling because I belong to Jesus Christ. 
I could just see the look in her eyes, oh, oh, a, a, a nut job, <laughs> a religious nut job. And I said to her, like, just listen, just listen to what I got to say. And I began to explain to her why I was happy that Jesus Christ had given me a reason to live. Hey, we sang a song just a few minutes ago. We, said, we sang about Jesus' mercies, that they're new every morning. I said to her, listen, Jesus has transformed my life. He's given me a reason to smile. She says, well, tell me a little bit about this. Because I grew up in church, and I don't know what you're even talking about. So right then, right there at 7 o'clock in the morning, I was able to share my faith with this woman. Not judging her, not condemning her, but just sharing my faith. And the next thing you know, she said, you know what? i got to have what you've got. I said, really? <laughs> yeah, i got to have what you have. How do I get it? I said, it's really easy. All I have to do is pray right now. She said, like, pray right, right here? Do I have to kneel down? Do I, do, I have to, do I need a rosary? No, we're just going to pray right now. So just close your eyes, and I'm going to pray. So I took her hand and began to pray. And she, next thing she's sobbing. She's crying. And she said, something's happened inside me. I feel like a, the weight of the world's lifted off my shoulders. And I said, that's because you've just given your heart, your heart to Jesus. You belong to God now. You're in his family. She walked away with a smile on her face, so big, so massive, it was bigger even than my smile. What happened? Well, Jesus said, you're going to be my witnesses everywhere. Yeah, even at McDonald's. I told you last week about the woman I helped had a flat tire. Everywhere, anyone everywhere. Not judging, not condemning, but just sharing with them the love of Christ. It's not your job to judge. It's not your place to condemn. Jesus said, I didn't come to to judge or to condemn. What did Jesus come to this earth to do? He came to save us. He came to love us. He came to introduce us to his father. And then Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. Well, what does that mean? Because I know a lot of people here right now, you're thinking, man, I can't share my faith. I don't know anything. I haven't been to Bible school. Look it. One of the things we teach you here at this church, habit number one, is that you have to have a daily walk with God. You've got to encounter Jesus every day by praying and reading your Bible every day. So when we talk about being a witness for Jesus, what you're going to do is you're just going to simply tell people what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to preach a sermon. You don't have to be an apologist. You don't have to explain all the, all the scientific evidence and on and on and on. If you know it, great, but... You don't have to know it. All you have to know is that Jesus transformed your life. That's your story. That is what you share with people. When you're witnessing, that's what you tell people. If it weren't for Jesus, I don't even think I'd be alive today. That's what Jesus is talking about. Peter, he wasn't a, he wasn't a rabbi. He didn't, he, he, didn't, he didn't know the Bible the way the, the, the scholars did. And yet Jesus chose him to be a disciple. What did Jesus want Peter to know? Jesus wanted Peter to know him. So he said to Peter, follow me, come with me, and I'm going to reveal to you things you never could even imagine. And it began with the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. And after the mother-in-law was healed, it was a great miracle of a great catch of fish, so many fish that it tore the nets and almost sunk the boats. Can you imagine Peter going all over the place telling people that story? And, oh, can I tell you about the time when my, when my boats were nearly sunk by all the fish? Yes, that's the Jesus that I worship. 
That's the Jesus that I want you to know about. That's the Jesus I want to introduce you to. When Jesus calls us to be his witnesses, that's what Jesus is talking about. He wants you to go and tell people what Jesus has done for you. That's all you can tell people. That's all you can really witness to people. And can I just tell you something? People can dispute your science, and you can come up with your science and your evidence and your philosophical arguments, but at the end of the day, they cannot argue with your testimony. They cannot argue with what Jesus has done in your life. And so you go forward from this place telling people what a difference Jesus has made in your life. And then finally, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here's what a lot of us don't understand. The moment that you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit. Ephesians tells us that that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a seal to, to prove that you belong to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that people, when they first become Christians and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, the next thing that happens It's pretty amazing. They can't help it. They got to tell everybody about Jesus. And everybody goes, oh, there's that young, that new Christian, man. He's just like, he's just telling everybody. And over time, you start thinking to yourself, oh, well, you know what? Uh, I don't know. I'll let the young ones do it. I'll let somebody else do it. Hey, you want to know how to put a damper on your faith and how to kill the joy in 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 your faith? Stop being used by the Holy Spirit, and you'll lose your joy. But re-engage with the Holy Spirit and start allowing God to use you to share your faith with other people, and your faith will come alive again. You'll be on fire like you've never been on fire before. Folks, listen, that is really what I'm praying for at Cross Church this summer, that your heart will be set on fire, that the Holy Spirit will have his way in you and through you. Let me just close with this. Real Christians worship Jesus by obeying him. Jesus says it's better to obey than to sacrifice. You know, coming on Sunday, singing songs, you know, that's great. But if you're not obeying Jesus for the course of the week, then that singing that you're doing is not acceptable to Jesus. You've got to be obeying him. And the thing that he calls every one of us to do is to be his witnesses. Hey, look at this. K.P. Yohanan, he's, a, he's a, a, an East Indian evangelist in India, and he's seen literally thousands of churches planted. But he says the single most important hindrance to world evangelization right now is the lack of total involvement by the body of Christ. I was doing some, just crunching some numbers here. And I thought to myself, what if Cross Church experienced 40% growth, like, like the early church did? What if Cross Church experienced 40% growth every year? Do you know that in five years we'd have over 1,600 people worshiping at Cross Church? You say, well, Pastor Allen, I know of other churches that are growing. Look at, did you know that 85% of church growth in North America right now is just from people moving from one church to another church? I'm not interested in that. Here's what I'm really interested in. Here's what I really want to see happen. I want to see people come to Jesus who've never known him before. I don't want to steal people from other churches. What I want to do is is I want to steal people from Satan, from Satan's grip. And that's going to take you and me. 
saying, yes, Lord, here am I, use me. Help me to be a witness to my neighbor. Help me to be a witness to my friends. Help me to be a witness to my family members. That's the kind of growth, the church growth that Jesus is looking for. You say, Pastor Alan, is it possible? Hey, let me show you this. I mean, this is kind of a, you know, a, I don't want to end on a, on, a, on a down note. But you know that the Mormon church is growing by 43% every decade? 43% per decade. That's, a, that's really quite phenomenal growth. And here's what you need to know about the Mormons. The Mormons don't, don't know Christ the way we know Christ. We worship Christ as God. They don't worship Christ as God. And so for that reason, we consider them a cult. It's not, it's, they're not part of the Christian family. What's their secret? Well, they just go telling people all about Moroni and Joseph Smith and anybody else interested. We see them in England. We see them in Greece. We see them in Wales, in Canada. We see them everywhere. Where are we? What are we doing? It's time, my friends. It's time for us to rise up and say, yes, Lord, I'm willing to obey you. I'm willing to go fishing with you, Jesus. Because it's you and Jesus working together. Would you stop me, please? Hey, can I just say this? We had, uh, we had a little over 25 kids at our house on Friday night for youth night. And uh, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal youth experience. Yeah, I got an amen there. Hey, listen to this. I share with these kids. I said, you know, we have all these leaders working here tonight. They're here not just, not just because they're getting a paycheck or because they've got nothing else to do. Qu- quite to the contrary. But they're here today because they heard the call of Jesus to go and make disciples. And we want to teach you what it means to follow Jesus. And I said, I, I shared my own personal story. My, I, I witnessed to the kids about my story, how my life was changed when my family came to Christ and how we became a prosperous family and how our family was running smoothly. There was happiness and harmony in our family. I said to the kids, you can have this too, but you've got to surrender your life to Jesus. And, and you know what? At the end of the night, I think we had four or five kids that said they wanted to get baptized. Four or five kids that wanted to surrender their lives to Christ. Folks, that is why we do what we do. Father, as we go from here now, we pray that you give us the grace and the strength and the empowering of your Holy Spirit to be witnesses everywhere to everyone. Use us, we pray, Lord. I pray, God, that everybody here today would be able to catch one fish this summer or at least before the year is out. Because, God, someday we want to be able to lay that fish before you and say, God, this is yours. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you, asking that you be glorified in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Tell the person beside you, go fishing.